You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat Pulpit Podcast, Week 5 edition. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill. Week 5 is in the books. The Patriots are 5-0 and for the fourth time in the Brady-Belichick era. Not much to be upset about in that respect, but since we're Patriots fans, I'm sure we'll find plenty to complain about in this podcast. <laughs> but first up, Rich Hill, how are you? I am good. I f- okay, Alec, I feel going, like man? this has got to be the most boring 5-0 and team in NFL history. Am I wrong on this? Is this, I mean, it's one thing to win games so comfortably that it's just boring. And it's another thing when you're just dominating so much. The other teams are just so bad. I mean, they've just crushed winless team after winless team after winless team. How much longer is this going to happen, Alec? Well, it's funny. I'm looking at the schedule and the Patriots play either the primetime game game or the for the next nine straight matchups Dang. which means that they're playing the quote-unquote good teams on their schedule starting with thursday night with the giants at 8 20 and they're not a good team but the kind of marquee matchups the meaty part of the schedule is coming up so i guess we'll find out uh overall though man like what i like about this the patriots yes they're they're beating up on teams but they're playing nobodies, and they're making them look like nobodies, right? Like, you're only allowed to play the teams that are in front of you, and if a team stinks and you blow them out of the water, I think that kind of evens out, you know? Yeah, and they're doing it in a way that I'm sure Bill Belichick appreciates. They're not doing it where everyone is flawless in every single phase of the game. They're struggling, you know, maybe not entirely on defense because their defense has been honestly one of the best I've ever seen under Bill Belichick. But on offense, things aren't perfect. The offensive line is a little iffy. The running game is inconsistent. The receivers are getting banged up. So there is a lot to work with, and I'm sure Belichick loves that. But before we jump into this Patriots game against Washington, Let's go around the league. Week five, which games caught your attention? There were two, especially from an AFC Patriots standpoint. Obviously, the big game was last night's game, or excuse me, Sunday night's game, uh, the Colts and the Chiefs. Big upset in Arrowhead. Kobe Brissett, the Patriots backup, came in and took out Mahomes and company. The Chiefs were held to 13 points at home. They ran the ball down their throat. Very dominant offensive line performance from the Indianapolis Colts. Did not see that coming. Defensively, the Colts aren't world beaters, but they had a formula. They were able to keep guys off their off their mark, off their toes, and it was a really interesting performance. And I have to wonder. I hate the discussion. Is like you know, have the team found the blueprint? Because that's just a ridiculous way to go about analyzing sports. But if you have a strong running game and your defense is disruptive then you can obviously beat these this Chiefs team, and they looked very, very mortal on Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, the, the Chiefs' defense was just a sieve against the run. And I guess we should also point out that the Colts only put up 19 points. It's not like a tremendous amount. And so I think most of the credit should go to that Colts' defense, where apparently after the game, multiple players, as well as Patrick Mahomes, shared how the Colts defended him in a way that made it so difficult. And it's because the the Colts, uh, guess which team they copied? They copied the, the New England Patriots. <laughs> they were saying afterwards hey. that the, the Colts were using the same defensive strategy that both Bill Belichick and the Patriots, as well as Matt Patricia and the, the Detroit Lions have utilized against the Chiefs. And that's a lot of heavy man coverage in the secondary. And that 
prevents Patrick Mahomes from getting plays that are off schedule. It reduces some of the the holes in the secondary that the Chiefs love to take advantage of, where the receivers are able just to kind of sit down at various levels. By playing man, they have their guy that they're supposed to cover. It forces Patrick Mahomes to hold on to the ball. And the Chiefs have one of the worst offensive lines in the league, and that allowed the the Colts' pass rush to get home. Really happy for Justin Houston to have that revenge game. So I don't know if necessarily this is a blueprint to really stop the, the, the Chiefs because, A, Tyreek Hill wasn't playing. Sammy Watkins left within a couple minutes with his own injury as well. So they're very much shorthanded at wide receiver. Maybe things are different. It's harder to play man coverage against a player like Tyreek Hill, even though the Patriots have been able to do that with someone like Jonathan Jones. But it's ultimately, it's like not a good look for the Chiefs, and it really has given New England the driver's seat in the AFC. Oh, 100%. And it's funny, if the Patriots and Tom Brady was held to 13 points at home, could you imagine the national narrative right now? how they would be discovering how Brady's done, he's washed up, that cliff has finally arrived. It's remarkable that they are so adamant that Mahomes is the guy that they're just going to ignore this completely and just call it a blitz and just focus on like the three or four amazing scrambles he's good for. Uh, I love Mahomes, I'm not knocking him, but it's really jarring kind of duality of the narrative from the Patriots if they were to have an off game at home versus the the Chiefs. It's really interesting. Oh, yeah. uh, other game I want to talk about before we get into the Patriots – Redskins game is another team that's kind of started out hot and fallen off a bit. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens needed overtime and a last minute wobbling field goal to beat the third string quarterback of the Steelers. Uh, I didn't watch all of this game, Rich, but I saw enough of it to make me think that while I like Lamar Jackson, I think he's got potential. He's a good kid. I think maybe he might have turned to a pumpkin a little bit in these past couple of weeks. Oh, absolutely. He's been turning the ball over a lot, so that really changes the entire game. You know, they have a, a fairly explosive offense. They're able to hit the ball down the field, but if you remove away that deep play, they don't really have too much. Their their rushing game is inconsistent. I think that Mark Ingram is a very talented running back, but they're not able to dominate opposing teams like other rushing attacks are able to. And the receiving threats, they're solid. I think Marquise Brown has uh, a lot of potential. He has a lot of upside, but he's still a rookie. There's only so much he can do. And so Lamar Jackson, if he turns the ball over, it's not going to fare well because I don't think he's in a spot where he can put the team on his back yet. You know, it's one thing if you're out ahead like they were against the Miami Dolphins and you're able to put up a lot of points. It's another thing if you have to have him come from behind to win because this Ravens defense is very inconsistent. Uh, their their offense is also inconsistent. So I think they've really fallen off a bit from their initial start this year and while I thought they had a strongest chance of any to win the AFC North I don't know if they're going to make it past wildcard weekend yeah that is an interesting division man I'm very curious to see how that that shakes out now in the Ravens defense they're on the road Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's Ravens is always a bloodbath you've got to throw kind of prior records or anything like that out the window so you got to give that into consideration but it's very interesting to see how good the Ravens looked offensively early and they just seem to be falling off more and more each week for sure something to monitor uh, a team that has not fallen off at all is Washington Redskins because they're already at the bottom and you can't get any worse 
This is a very interesting race for worst team in the league, Rich. You got the Bengals, you got Washington, you got the Dolphins, you got the Jets. It's going to be a photo finish for that number one pick overall in the draft. Patriots dominated. Other than that one little 65-yard scamper that was a trick play and just some bad tackling, you're going to get that once in a while. This was an absolutely dominant performance in the defense. Once again, I think the longest drive the, the Skins had the entire game was what six plays is that right six plays their their max yep six plays they did that twice they gained uh net yards of 14 and then nine so not a, not a great outing on those two drives it's man it's amazing again i don't want to take anything away from the patriots defense because they are playing as lights out as we've ever seen any unit they are on pace to give up a historically low number of points uh, under 200 points for sure if things go going the way they're going. They're going to surrender some points. I'm sure there'll be like a 28, 30-point game in there somewhere, but they just do not give up points, and it's amazing. However, which I have to ask, there's no way around it. The Patriots have played five very weak opponents in the first five weeks of the NFL season. You can spin it all you want. They're just five bad teams the Patriots have played. How much of it do you think is this defense being that good and these are just really bad quarterbacks, bad offenses, bad game plans, and you can't take too much away from it? Where's the balance there? So, I mean, I think that you can't take away the fact that they are a great team. I mean, you look at football outsiders, they have this uh, statistic called uh, value over average. And so they look at every single play that every single team does and they compare the outcome of that play to what the league average is if they were also in that situation. And so they also adjust for opponents. So if you allow two yards to the Patriots, it's a little bit better than uh, of a defensive job than if you give up two yards to, like, you know, the Washington team, you know? And so they have accounted for every single play this year. They've accounted for the terrible opponents that the Patriots have. And New England still has the number one defense dating back to 1986. So, yeah, technically the Bears team, uh, pretty good defense from the year before. The data just doesn't go back that far. But in all of the history of Football Outsiders, so that's over 30 years, the Patriots have the best defense. It doesn't matter that they're playing Colt McCoy or Josh Rosen or Luke Falk or Ben Roethlisberger. They are all terrible teams. The Patriots still, when you account for that awfulness, they're amazing. They're the best team. If you threw five games, the defense has allowed 20 points. That is tied for the fewest of all time. There's no way you can spin that. doesn't matter how bad they are. This is a historically good defense. Now, I'm guessing, Rich, in allowing those 20 points, that also counts a pick six and a muffed punt, correct? Uh, it's removing for that. It's accounting for that. Removing that. Okay. All right. That's good. Because, yeah, that, that's still remarkable through five Five games, 20 points. Um, there was once a time in, let's say, 2011, when that was about the first seven minutes of the game, they would allow 20 <laughs> points. So let's really enjoy this. I don't know where the, this Patriots defense, at least through five weeks, given the fact it's still pretty early in the season, a lot more to go. I don't know where I would rank this Patriots defense against the Belichick defenses of the past. I'm thinking the early 2000 units that won them multiple Super Bowls. Would you say, Rich Hill, that this defense in 2019 is better than like the 0304 unit? Uh, as you said, there's a whole lot of football left, but at this point, I mean, if they're able to keep up this pace without question, without question, I would take this defense over those defenses in particular because of how much harder it is to play defense now than it was at that time you know the the 0304 patriots defense yeah sure they they changed some of the rules the tie law rule kind of got implemented around that time but 
this defense has the deck stacked against them completely. If they're able to handle their their middle part of their schedule, you know, after the bye, when they have to play Carson Wentz, they have to play uh, Dak Prescott, then uh, Deshaun Watson, and then Patrick Mahomes. That is a very, very strong four games in a row. And you can even throw Lamar Jackson in right before the bye week, Baker Mayfield before that. If they can go past that point and like still keep up, not even at this historic level, but still play very strong defense, I would say that I would take this defense over any other Patriots defense. It's funny, not only that, but I remember very distinctly being in college and my hungover Sunday spent watching the Patriots, and that was a fun team to watch, a fun team to root for, but... This Tate Patriots defense is really just they're, – they're enjoyable. I look forward to them being on the field because what they're able to do, the blitz schemes they dial up, just the pressure they get when they rush three, that 3-4 three, kind of hybrid mush rush state worker defense front they throw out there, the secondary just shutting guys down, the coverage sacks. It's just a really fun defense to watch, not only if you're kind of a casual fan who doesn't really know the X's and O's, but if you also kind of get into the weeds a little bit and you know just the formations and the, the stunt blitzes and the, the nickel base packages and all the kind of football jargon there's a lot of enjoyment i get of watching this defense and it's been a long time since i could really say that and it's really nice yeah absolutely i mean if we were to rank this my top five belichick defenses definitely the 03 the 04 patriots i would add in the 06 patriots and then the 2016 patriots because you got to remember that 2016 team uh people would always say like oh they, they've played nobody they've played nobody and that sounds kind of familiar they still finished the season first in points allowed uh so I think that this 2019 defense is right up there with them. I would love to see it happen. I, I think that they definitely have as much potential as any other Patriots defense that we've seen. Uh, Alec, let's go to the other side of the ball because I'm curious. There is more issues with the Patriots offense than there have been with the defenses. I think that's pretty straightforward. And I want to draw attention to the offensive line because they yeah. allowed Tom Brady to get sacked and sacked and sacked. And that led to his red zone interception. They, that led to a lot of seemingly unnecessary contact. Are you concerned about the Patriots offensive line? Am I concerned about the Patriots offensive line? Yes, in that they are banged up enough as it is and – it all starts with the offensive line, protection, run game, play action, developing roots, and Dante Skarniecki is the best in the business. You and I have sung his praises on multiple occasions throughout multiple podcasts, and while it's still a work in progress, I understand that. The real concern for Sunday's game wasn't necessarily scheme. I didn't really have a problem with the play calling, save for I thought that direct snap on fourth and short was was dumb. I don't know why they don't sneak it with that, but that's that's pretty much the only play call I didn't think was at least a good usage of the of the offensive playbook. It was just a matter of execution, and it really all starts up front in that the Washington team, there are no world beaters on their defensive line. There's no monster pro bowlers you have to prepare for. They're rushing three a lot of the time, still getting home. I think they had five sacks on the entire season. They had four on Tom Brady on Sunday. And if he can't stay upright, especially at 42, where it's becoming very much more clear that he is doing what he can, and understandably so, not knocking him, doing what he can to avoid contact, maybe turtling a little early to prolong his season a little bit more, you've got to protect him a lot more. I think they will figure it out. But if you're watching this offensive line against a pretty lousy Washington pass rush, you can't help but be concerned. Yeah, absolutely, especially when it seems like it's the defensive tackles getting a lot of that pressure. And the, the biggest Achilles heel that we've always seen for Tom Brady is that if you're able to generate pressure up the middle, 
He, you know, he's been doing better recently with his ability to navigate outside of the pocket and throw on the move, but usually generating pressure up the middle is how you stifle this New England offense. And, you know, of those five sacks, four and a half of them came from defensive tackles on the interior. So these big guys up the gut. And that generally means that there's some sort of miscommunication happening. Ted Karras at center, uh, and he's been on one of the bright spots. You know, I think there's been some growing pains with Karras being next to Joe Tooney and Shaq Mason, but then you add in Marshall Newhouse. There was definitely some moments where he and Tooney were not on the same page. Cannon, he's not on the injury report, but I feel like he's still dealing with some injuries. So I think that over time, there will be more cohesion, as you said, and Skarnacchio we trust. I expect them to kind of gel a little bit better. Um, But a big beneficiary from that offensive line is Sonny Michel. He had a strong game that we've been kind of waiting for this year. I know he had a little bit of a good game in in week two, but I feel like he was a different player this game. He had 123, I believe, yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. He was used as a receiver, finally, and he had a lot of success running the ball. What do you think about Michelle's success against Washington? Is that a sign of things to come, uh, or is he kind of shaking off the first quarter of the season rust? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you in that I love seeing him as a receiving bat. We've been screaming for that for a long time. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think this signified, especially the second half, signified him getting his feet a little bit and trusting the blocking schemes a little more. I think what they did in the second half was they switched to more of a split blocking zone scheme. I haven't gone back and watched the All-22, but I think they were putting a helmet on a helmet in the first half and switched to a more, a more zone read blocking scheme in the second half, which allows Sonny Michel to use his vision a little bit more. They're going to need to rely on him a lot more as the season goes on. Think about the 2018 campaign where they won the Super Bowl. He came on huge late in the year, and Tom Brady especially at his age with the offensive receivers all banged up. You know, Edelman's still banged up. Dorsett probably won't play on Thursday. Josh Gordon still looks a little bit slow. He's, I think he's still not fully healthy. So they're going to really need to rely on that running game a lot more as the, the games get longer and the days get shorter and the games get colder. So I don't want to sit here and say based on that kind of basically one half he had, he's suddenly back. But if he can run with purpose again, if he can follow his own blocks, and more importantly, if he can emerge as a legit receiving threat, that'll totally open the playbook up. Because right now, odds are if Sony Michelle is on the field with Jakob Johnson and they're in a big package, they're going to run it. And if James White's on the field, they may run it, but they're probably going to pass, or at least the pass is something they have to defend against. If that's now a new wrinkle they can add to the offense, I'm very excited to see if that can, can continue. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really hope that the utilization of Michelle in the passing game is not simply because Rex Burkhead was not available. Uh, I have an inkling or just like a gut feeling that that is the case, that they needed someone to step up, and because they didn't have Burkhead uh, and they didn't want to use Bolden the entire time, they allowed Michelle to do it. I just hope that they saw enough from him where they say, oh, you know what? This is more valuable. Let's utilize him as a receiver because that forces the opposing defense to not crash down into the box every single time he's on the field. And that gives him a little bit more breathing room. It forces the opposing defense to think a little bit more. It increases his red zone value. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think that's a lot of good progress. Alec, who else on the Patriots offense caught your attention against Washington? tell you, I don't know if it's necessarily the one person, but the way the Patriots utilized 12 and 21 personnel and got the tight ends involved in the passing game, that's encouraging. Uh, they, they released Ben Watson. They decided not to pick up his, his salary, which means they're content with Izzo and uh, Lacoste. So 
I guess I'm happy too. Um, they had some good yardage in the first half. Izzo was open. He got his first touchdown as a Patriot. Tom Brady's 73rd uh, receiver, which is an amazing record for Tom Brady to have. So I'm hoping these tight ends are not going to be world beaters. They're not going to be Gronkowski. We're not expecting Gronk 2.0. But this has been such a, a tight end focused offense for so long, be it Ben Watson's first stint or, or Daniel Graham or Heron Hernandez and Gronkowski. Like this has been a tight end offense for almost as long as I can remember. And for them to completely have no tight ends whatsoever in their offensive planning, I, I just don't see that's going to be feasible. So I'm hoping these tight ends are picking things up more. Brady's trusting them more. And we'll start seeing them utilized as passing options at a 12 and 21 personnel. Yeah, absolutely. And if that gives them a little bit more of that versatility, clearly they didn't have a roster spot for Ben Watson. So despite Watson's receiving ability, they the Patriots think they have enough with Izzo and Lacoste. Lacoste took the starting job away from Izzo, despite the fact that Izzo had that strong day as a receiver. So that is something to keep an eye out for. Lacoste is the starter as far as we're concerned. Izzo is uh, the number two guy. I would expect him to have that Dwayne Allen type of role as primarily coming on as an extra blocker, but it's nice to see him get involved as a receiver. I would hope that their role continues to develop, and uh, I think we can also incorporate uh, some growth from Jakob Johnson as he develops as a fullback. I think we're seeing a little bit more out of him. Uh, Alec, if you had to choose one star of the game from this New England Patriots complete blowout dominant win against Washington, who would it be and why? Uh, it's an easy answer for me. It's going to be Dante Hightower. Um, I had to look several times. I, I thought he was lined up on the weak side and he had like a strong side sack or a strong side tackle for a loss. And he was. He just got over there that fast. He was all over the field on Sunday. Whatever he was kept him off the field the week before he's got over it now in spades i think it might have been the best game he's ever played or one of the best games ever played as a patriot he gets my game ball here not even close dude that's unbelievable i mean he had four tackles for loss two quarterback hits that's crazy uh also kudos to his teammate jamie collins out there who has been putting up an all pro caliber season he added a sack of his own forced fumble recovery he was fantastic out there. If I were to give a player a game ball from the defensive side, I would actually point to Jason McCourty, who I think did a great job out there. Seven tackles, had an interception that really set up the Patriots. Uh, I, I think he also just did a great job locking down the opposing receivers because other than uh, Terry McLaurin, who had 51 yards on three catches with Stephon Gilmore in coverage, no other pay, uh, Washington receiver did anything. Uh, Trey Quinn had three catches for 15 yards. Paul Richardson had two for 14. Uh, kudos also to Jonathan Jones for doing a great job, but I'm going to give my game ball to Jason McCourty. Love it. I'm still not totally unconvinced that Jason Devin didn't switch jerseys, and Devin actually got that pick and not Jason, <laughs> but we will never, ever be able to tell because those look exactly alike. Uh, I'm not sure if you watched the with the sound on, but Greg Gumble at one point, uh, Deron Harmon and and uh, I think Jason McCordy were on the sidelines, and Gumble's like, "Look at those two identical twins right there." <laughs> and, uh, it was kind of pretty bad, I guess. It's a, a Rutgers a Rutgers thing maybe, but uh, I love the McCordy brothers. I'm glad they're doing well. Uh, if I had to give an offensive game ball, 
I don't know. I don't think anyone really stood out for sure, but I like the fact that you mentioned Jacob Johnson. I'll give it to him just because I think the improvement between last week and this week is marked very, very distinct. He missed a couple of blocks, a couple of wide open blocks, and this week they're motioning him a lot. They're using him to diagnose the defense, and he hit his blocks very well, and he's a big part of that Sony Michelle run in the second half. So Jacob Johnson, if you keep it up and you do well, uh, I hate to say it, maybe James Devlin's the odd man out in that Isaiah Wynn, Nikhil Harry, James Devlin IR situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I'm leaning that way already i definitely think that they need to bring back harry and i think isaiah Wynn definitely gets that other thing because goskowski's out for the year i think you need to bolster that offensive line as we said and then you always want to bring back your rookie first round pick if you have the opportunity to do so especially over a fullback when you have someone who yeah devlin is head and shoulders better than johnson who is still learning and developing but I think the value of the receiver is potentially a little bit better than that of the fullback. So uh, I like that idea of giving it to Johnson, though. He did a great job as a blocker for Michelle, who had his best game of the season. I'm going to go give it to Julian Edelman, though. Eight catches on nine targets for 110 yards and a touchdown. Still dealing with his chest injury. He laid out. He caught the the pass from Tom Brady that I believe brought Brady over uh, past Brett Favre and also over 80,000 career passing yards, I want to say. Something crazy like that. I'm not sure. But he definitely helped him surpass Brett Favre in the all-time regular season passing list, the 80,000s for the combined with the postseason. Edelman has been a complete trooper out there. He has been a spark. He's been so tough. Despite the fact that he's injured, I hope that he continues to recover. But that was just a a truly strong performance against this Washington defense. Yeah, it was. I love Edelman. And hopefully he'll be able to be healthy and put a performance in on Thursday because they have a nice kind of mini buy following the Giants game. Uh, Rich, as we close out this podcast, please put my mind at ease. I keep having these flashbacks of the fact that the Patriots are basically – a couple of missed extra points away from representing the AFC in the last like seven or eight Super Bowls. Tell me that Mike Nugent's going to be serviceable enough where it's not going to be down the line where he misses an extra point that ends up costing the Patriots a Super Bowl berth. Make me feel better. <laughs> uh, I won't. I definitely won't. <laughs> I mean, I think you have to appreciate that he made his two field goals. He made three of his extra points. He missed one of them. He's just getting the rest off. It's very clear that the Patriots are not going to ask him to take any of these big, big, deep down the field sort of field goals. They let him do a 37-yarder or 23-yarder right before the half. I feel like they're, they're going to try and restrict him to under 40-yard attempts. If they're a little bit beyond that, I would expect them to either punt or maybe even go for it on offense, which I would love to see. But he, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to get world-beating performance out of him. You're going to get solid performance out of him, same way that they got solid performance out of Shane Graham back in 2010. And that's all you can hope for. You can't replace one of the top five kickers of all time, which Steven Goskowski undoubtedly is, with someone off the street not expect there to be a little bit of a decline. But you also just have to hope that uh, all of this bad kicking luck that the Patriots have had, maybe it's going to rectify. Maybe they'll... they'll uh, start performing a little bit more strongly and hopefully they'll have better kicking luck than the Tennessee Titans who missed four field goals against the Buffalo Bills ended up losing 14 to 7 they could have used every single one of those this Bills team is 2 and 3 if they had worse field or they had uh, yeah worst opposing field goal luck so uh, I'm going to count the the blessings that we have Nugent made most of his kicks that's all you can hope for 
Well, it's not quite the answer I was hoping to get out of you, but I guess I'll have to take it. Um, I'm going to have – on Thursday's podcast, you know, it's the Giants, and I'm going to have some more questions that make me feel better about Eli Manning coming in in relief duty and leading, leading the Giants to a last-minute victory. So prepare yourself for a much more comforting answer on Thursday, please. Oh, absolutely. All right. I'll take my time to prepare for that. Got a lot of good content at patspulpit.com for everyone who's listening. Thank you all for tuning in. Alec, do you have any final thoughts? 5-0, baby. Let's do this. All right. You have a good one. See you, buddy. Later.